love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. talking off air, and I think it's going to be an interesting uh, broadcast today. Uh, there's a topic that you wanted to bring up that I think is going to definitely be one that our listeners, a lot of our listeners will be able to identify with, whether or not they have uh, dealt with it in any sort of healthy way. But why don't you tell our listeners what we're going to dive into today, and then we'll just see where it goes. Well, I will. You know, Jonathan, I know this is called Pure Sex Radio, and so, yeah, we're usually talking about sex addiction. But uh, today I felt like we should probably talk about some of the secondary symptoms of sexual addiction, and one of those biggest ones are is is anger and dealing with anger issues. I can already feel myself getting uh, upset over here because I'm thinking this is going to get personal here pretty soon. And, you know, I think it's interesting because, you know, we talk about, we've talked about this before, we've talked about several different types of secondary symptoms, and you and I both kind of concluded, well, you know, we call them secondary symptoms, but really once you get into recovery, you realize it flips around. These are the primary issues. It's just it's usually secondary in a person's recovery that they're discovered as the primary issues. Absolutely. It's like a guy comes in and says, hey, you know, my issue is really looking at porn, or my issue is, you know, having homosexual affairs, or my issue is, you know, prostitutes, and that's what they see the issue as. Well, you dive in and you start dealing with some of those behavior behavioral issues, and all of a sudden you come to the conclusion, man, there's anger issues, there's shame issues, right. there's all kinds of hurt and trauma and all sorts of things that skew a person's perspective on all these different things that lead to the acting out behaviors. Absolutely. And actually anger can can intensify mm-hmm. once a guy starts to work on his sexual addiction because then he no longer has that numbing activity that he can get away from his anger by going to masturbate or look at porn or some sort of of behavior that keeps his anger at bay. What are the what do you see in your counseling especially um because, you know, we see we obviously get guys in the Gateway Workshop, but then also, you know, you get to see people in counseling. And, and certainly we're going to keep, there's nobody going to be revealed, no, no sure. personal situations are going to be revealed here. But in terms of generalities, how do you typically see anger manifest in somebody who's coming in for sexual addiction counseling? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, how does it typically manifest in their lives? And then do they recognize it? Usually it's a very self-centered anger. It's an anger that I'm the one hurt, you aren't the one that gets hurt, you hurt me, so therefore I have a right to get angry. And uh, that's typical with sexual addiction. I'm not saying there may be a guy out there listening by chance that never had a sexual addiction and still has an anger problem, 
but anger itself i think is is oftentimes finds its roots in just brokenness and hurt and ultimately trying to figure out a way to control that so they don't get hurt again so they use anger to kind of keep people at bay yeah and it seems like there is a huge link between anger and control because uh you know i've often thought that anger you could almost make an argument that on some level anger could be defined as not really knowing how to manage disappointment absolutely and and so what do we do we just blow up we just it's like we don't have an outlet there's no release valve for when things don't go the way we want because i i really almost see the subset of anger being a control issue absolutely so you've got this idea that things should go a certain way i've got these parameters i got these blinders on that it should happen this way it doesn't happen that way so what's your only response I got to blow up. I got to be mad. That's right. And if I can get angry enough, then you might just go ahead and comply, which may have been what's happened the rest of the time in your marriage or other relationships. Or I may get angry enough that you still get angry back at me and you don't comply. And then I have to get angrier. And so that takes a person who normally just has a anger issue into a person who has a rage issue then. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I do want to clarify that because there is absolutely nothing wrong with getting angry. I mean, the Bible says, be angry, but don't sin. It's when it gets taken past anger to this level of rage. I also think it's different when a person gets angry because someone's not behaving the way they'd like them to behave. And then they try to use anger and rage to control that behavior. Yeah, talk about that, because that seems to be what manifests most in relationships. You know, I think I think anger, I think anger can manifest differently in, let's say, a single guy you know cuz he can he can sort of just isolate himself just completely detach himself from whatever you know the whatever's pushing on his buttons sure like a married guy you know there's this different component and so do you do you often see that it manifests differently between maybe a single guy and a married guy i mean it can... absolutely cuz nobody's going to get angry when there's not something bristling up against him you know uh so if he's single then he never really has to deal with anybody else going against him or having a different opinion. His or frustrations belief. may be, I can't get these, this bag of chips open, and he can punch a hole in the wall, but really once sure. that's done, he's like, okay, that's right. move on. Or know? it may be an, a job issue where you know most people have learned well ahead of time before they graduated, hopefully you know from the high school, to deal with their anger on a job because then you, guess what, lose your job. Right. And so most people learn that, and they also have this performance issue where they want to look good on the outside to most people. But it's when you get into this intimate relationship, like with a wife, that you have to begin dealing with your anger, usually. And so, the, yeah, the way you manifest that, in a single guy, he doesn't see that. He's, he does pretty much what he wants when he wants. But when you get married, and it can also be different depending on the wife. There's some young girls who are raised in a home where dad's always right and dad, mom runs circles trying to make dad happy and runs circles making sure he's got his meal ready and everything goes the way he wants it and don't make your father angry and your father's had a rough day so don't get, you know, go, go be quiet in your bedroom for a little while. And so the little girl learns, oh wow, I better just kind of be good tonight because dad could get angry. So a guy marries her, he's like, he may not have a lot of anger issues because she may just go along with everything he desires. But then but then what you ultimately see come out is that there's this sort of lifeless marriage. Absolutely. 
It's the, I don't really know you, and you don't really know me. I just kind of go along with what you say, and you go along with what I say. And so on the surface, everything appears to be fine until maybe there's a discovery of pornography, or there's a discovery, and all of a sudden, some of these things start rising to the surface, and you realize just how deeply entrenched into the the anger he may be and the denial she may be. I mean, just all kinds of problems come up then. Absolutely. And you may actually find a wife that 25 years into a marriage ends up leaving or leaves emotionally, mentally, and sexually because she's so unfulfilled over those 25 Mm -hmm. years. And I believe that's not at all what God wants that marriage relationship to be. I think he wants a wife who helps sharpen her husband by saying that hurts me or you can't do that. Well, we're told to speak the truth in love to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, we're told to tell each other the truth. And and a lot of times I think uh, there's been some some poor teaching on some biblical principles concerning the issue of submission with with wives, which some have have just poorly taught that as as kind of what you were describing. Hey, shut up, ignore just sort of be the the picture of a wife and don't actually be a wife. That's right. It's like just look just look the part, but you're not supposed to actually confront and challenge and and actually call out when your husband is clearly in sin. Absolutely. And we're probably having some men, you know, kind of begin to grumble out there saying, but what about that whole thing about wives are to submit to their husbands? But you know, I only would just want to mention that because, you know, submission doesn't always mean that we go that a wife goes along with everything mm-hmm. a husband says. It just submitting means ultimately that she is to follow the headship. But the headship has to be following Christ as well. And so I don't think submission means I give in every time. Submission sometimes means that I ultimately may go ahead and give in. But it doesn't mean that I don't speak my mind and tell you what I really feel. God may be leading her in this situation yeah. as well. And so I, kind of where we're, where you're coming from is this issue of anger. It seems to be tied in with a pretty, uh, a pretty substantial self-centered focus, which is going to also have, along with it, a high degree of controlling thoughts and behaviors. And then it's out of that that this sort of kind of river of anger can flow. Sure. And, and then so what does that, I mean... It seems obvious to state, well, that seem, that's got to be unhealthy for a relationship. But what does that if, usually cause then in a relationship when somebody has those those factors, that self-centeredness and the control and then this seeming perpetual flow of anger? Well, it, what it causes is, is it causes a lot of friction because if if a wife comes to her husband, say, for example, and just says, you know, what you just did hurt me and I feel that you did this and that's what hurt me, then he can get angry because then he's like, well, wait a minute, I didn't mean to do that. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, it doesn't matter that you meant to, it still hurt me. And yet all he feels is that now I'm the one being accused of something that I didn't mean to do, so I must then therefore have a right to come back at you, yell and scream and throw my weight around to say how much you should not hurt me. Because guess what? We both get hurt in every argument, right? If your wife comes up to you and says, you just hurt my feelings because you were a jerk, you know, it's like, well, wait a minute. I didn't mean to be a jerk. What? I didn't even know I was a jerk. So that can catch you off guard as a husband as well. Well, and even an appropriate response, you're hurt because you realize I hurt my wife. So, I mean, Absolutely. even a healthy resp- I mean, even a healthy confrontation, a healthy response, both people are injured. Right. You know, because obviously whatever the husband did to injure the wife, you know, to, to offend her... She's hurt when he, when she tells him, even in a healthy response, he's he's 
given the realization, I hurt my wife, which is going to hurt him. That's right. And a kid who didn't grow up in a home where everything was his fault or he was accused a lot, I mean, that's usually what you find in these kind of childhood hurts is a kid who goes after, let's say, maybe a sexual addiction ends up getting involved in one is really running from something. He's running from pain that was caused by... You know, people who either didn't listen to his feelings or parents who didn't acknowledge that he had feelings Mm -hmm. or never addressed that he might be hurt. So, you know, he's going to take care of his own wounds by going into his sexual addiction. So here you got this guy now who's angry, carries a bit of a chip on his shoulder because he feels like he's done everything wrong in his life or that no one ever really acknowledged how he really felt in childhood. And so then an unknowing wife walks up and says, you know, wow, you know, back there, you know, you said the wrong thing to that woman and you hurt my feelings and you made me feel like I wasn't important to you. Well, he's been accused a lot in his past, so he jumps on her because now she is accusing him of being bad. Mm -hmm. And so that hurts him and he wants to control that situation. So he flares out and yells and screams about how he didn't do that and he didn't mean for that to happen. And what he's asking for her to do is to control her emotions in such a way where she says, oh, okay, I understand you didn't mean to do that. That's great. Thank you so much. I know you love me. I'll walk away. Mm -hmm. Well, a wife who doesn't really feel that way and can't be controlled may say, no, you still hurt my feelings. And so then he gets louder and he may get louder. Then he may get louder. And before he knows it, rage sets in because now he's just mad because he's being accused of something that in his mind he doesn't do. Well, and I think, you know, there's also this maybe this other broad camp that the, that guys can come out of that produces this anger. And that is sort of this camp of of entitlement thinking, too. Sure. I think, you know, a young, especially in recent generations, it seems like, man, young people today in the past 20 years have grown up in this in the system that says you deserve you've got a right. And 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 so there's this idea that. uh you know, sort of kids set the pace, and a young person sure. should get everything that they want with a cherry on top. And and so then you've got a person that's maybe never told that they've done something wrong, and they're never corrected, and they're never... And so they've got a great expectation, a high expectation that says, I'm always right. Right. And I should always get what I want. Well, we're both married, right? Right. That's not how marriage works. Absolutely. You bring entitlement thinking into a marriage, you are going to have to deal with your own anger and your own control and your own selfishness. Sure. And so I think that's another big camp that guys can come from is just a huge entitlement thinking that says, well, she's not lining up with me. It may not be that she's saying things to him that that echo, you know, uh, words of disappointment and disapproval from his past, because maybe he never heard those, but right. she's saying things to challenge his selfishness and challenge his control. Right. And so, and that's really the, I think the key on both of these camps that guys may come from one sure. from sort of the more of the wounded, uh, disapproved of and, and really maybe abused child. And then the other, the whole entitlement camp But both of them, what triggers them seems to be somebody saying to them, you can't be in control, you're not enough, and I don't want to do it your way. Sure. And if you've got an ingredient added to either one of those guys in either one of those camps called perfectionism, because he's grown into a place where, you know, I may not do anything right around here, but I can show people how perfect I can be, or 
other also they have that entitlement thinking that says, well, I'm entitled to all this great stuff, and as long as I show everybody how great I am, I should get even even more. Then when a wife steps up and challenges that perfectionism and says, no, you're not perfect, you just failed, then a guy goes through the roof on that as well, and he begins to demand to not see that. I don't want to see that I've failed you. And it almost seems like anger, you know, the more I've sort of thought about uh you know, the guys that develop sexual addiction and this issue of this secondary symptom of anger, it almost seems like anger has become a response to avoid uh, deep feelings, a, a response to avoid humiliation and embarrassment. Right. Because if you think about it, if somebody's coming up to you and saying either, I, I don't think that's the way we should do this, or, or I disagree with you, or I'm feeling like that's not right, or I feel hurt, or I feel lonely. Whatever it is that's challenging your control and your your self-centered paradigm, that's that's what it is. It's challenging you to have to admit, I goofed, right. or I need to surrender and sacrifice and be giving and and sometimes it can even just be humiliating. Sure. You did something stupid. Right. And have to admit that. And and so sometimes anger can just be sort of this facade, this mask, this, uh, uh, you know, big veil that you put up that says immediately push back so that anything underneath that, the real, you know, like you've said before, the scared kid underneath that. Right. Doesn't have to come out and face reality. Right. Well, because that scared kid has packed in a lot of pride over the years to try to, to, to not allow people to see the junk that goes on inside. And so when that pride layer is there, it's like he does not want to, to let in. He does not going to. Well, he is not going to allow anybody mm-hmm. to see himself as anything less than great. And if he. He knows on the inside he's not. He struggles with that on the inside. He knows what he does in the secret places. But when a wife confronts that and says, hey, you did this to me, whether it's right or wrong, I mean, he may actually have not really intended on doing it. But he gets so angry because it's, how dare you accuse me of something I didn't do. I've been there. I've done that. I got the T-shirt. And nobody ever gets to do that to me again. Right. Well, I think this is going to this has been insightful stuff. Now, let's kind of shift gears and see if we can uh provide our listeners with maybe some encouragement and some practical ideas of what do you do then to appropriately begin to not only unravel the web that has created sort of this angry monster, but then how do you begin to deal in those areas where the anger has been triggered before? But now in appropriate ways and with appropriate responses that don't get uh, blown up into this rage response. Well, you know, having dealt with anger in my own life, you know, the only way I know to do it is just to ask God to show you what are the things that you need to see about yourself, first and foremost. I think second of all, it's realizing that people all around you and this is going to sound trite but it's not people all around you have a right to feel and to have their own emotions whether they're real or not whether they're truthful in i mean they're always real and genuine emotion but whether they're truthful in in with regards to how you intended things to be that's also important it doesn't have to be that you intended it that that's what happened to have somebody say, you made me feel this way. Well, it's interesting because right as you're, as you're saying that, I'm just immediately thinking, 
You know, there's certain things that we hear in sort of like marriage training and marriage seminar type things that talks about. And one of the biggies is, you know, men and women think differently. Or, right. Or, you know, men and women, they, they talk, they communicate differently. One that doesn't always get touched on a lot. I mean, it's it's usually sort of woven into these other big ones. Right. Is that men and women emote differently. Absolutely. And so this is one of the this is kind of what you're touching on there. There's a great there's a great safety that can come into a relationship when you begin to consciously think this person that I'm with is free to feel how they're designed to feel. Absolutely. And when I realize that a woman is not going to feel we can look at the same things. A, a sunset's a great example. You know, we can look at the same thing and I can be going it's orange and I'm hot. And she's like, this is the most romantic. I mean, just feelings are stirring in her. Right. We're feeling something, but we don't feel things the same way, even if we're in the same environment. That's right. And, and that's if we really take, important. That's right. And if we take that same example and then she were to turn to you, and let's say this is hypothetical, but she were to turn to you and say, well, what do you mean you're orange and hot? How, how, come, you're not feeling, how come you're not thinking of me right now or feeling? I've just told you how romantic this is. How come you, I feel very hurt that you just ignored what my thoughts and feelings were about this romantic sunset and all you could care about is how hot you were. Then if you were really still dealing with some of your own individual, you know, perfectionism and anger issues, you could get real upset by that. Like here, I've been accused of being this, you know, unromantic slob when really it's just kind of a, a foundation of I, I, that's not what I meant. All I meant was is I'm hot and I don't feel the same way you do about it. But. When you come from a place of realizing that, guess what, she has entitlement to her own feelings, as I have entitlement, which may not be the best word, but we do have freedom to have our feelings. But it doesn't make us bad just because we don't feel the way somebody expects us to feel. And I think the key in responding to that, like if, if my wife were to say something like that, the key in responding is, see, she's coming from, again, her own wounded place. That's right. Where things get out of control that I see all the time, not only in my own life, but also in other, other folks, is that when things get out of control is when neither of us is willing to step out of that self-centered pain. Right. But I'll tell you, the, the moment that one of us decides to say, I'm going to meet you where you are in your feeling and try to understand your feeling, all of a sudden, I can't even tell you how fast that deflates Absolutely. The, the anxiety and the tension and all of a sudden you can have a, a real conversation. And that is such a key, Jonathan, because really what we're saying then is the guys who have anger issues still, because of their brokenness, because of their pain, maybe because no one acknowledged their feelings as a kid, somehow, whatever that looked like, they are sometimes unable or they don't want to get to the place of stepping out of that self-centered pain. They're still throwing the fit on the ground like a little six-year-old, pounding their mm -hmm. fists and saying wait a minute, you didn't acknowledge how I feel, and that's where God expects us to, is to get to a place past that where we're able to step out of that on both sides, male and female, but to say, wow, I realize what you feel. So then as far as the guy goes in that in, in this situation, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, you got to be able to ask God to show you the, the areas, the, the places in you that need to be to be worked on. And then what else does that guy need to do? I mean, you talked about just now, you got to be starting to w willing to say, I'm going to step out of this zone of self-centered uh, feeling where everything has to, uh, has to line up with how I feel and it has to line up with my sure. pain. 
And then, and then what are some other things that can sort of break him out of that mentality of everything's about me and everything's got to be in line with me? Well, and I was going to add that, that one you just mentioned, but I think it's very hard in the moment of getting angry at something to think, oh, well, I need to be less self-centered and more selfless right now. Because anger, anger itself you. is hurt. Yeah. And hurt says, I have every right to feel self-centered right now. So it's very hard to do that, but it is okay to begin praying and asking God to help you see where you're still so self-centered and even try to practice it. You know, when you start to feel an, an argument, come on, you know, begin to try to talk to yourself even through the argument about, you know, try to listen to what she feels, try to listen to what she is expressing and don't immediately just go to you hurt me and I'm mad at you now. And I've even suggested to some couples just to sort of have you know they can have breaks sure kind of have timeouts kind of and maybe even have some uh, some buzzwords available that say we've reached sort of that red line area that or maybe we're just in the orange right now but we got to right. do something that says it, it we need a breather we need and and maybe and also maybe having something as constructive as saying we don't just need a breather where we go to the other side of the house and continue to stew but we've already planned when we're in a when we're in a you know, a relatively calm state, we've planned ahead by saying, you know, whenever we take those timeouts, here's what each of us needs to do during that. And agree to say, you know, maybe the husband needs to go and he's got some Bible verses he needs to read. Maybe right. the wife needs to go and she's, you know, got a, a an elder's wife that she can call or, you know, he's got somebody he can call. Just something like that where there's something constructive going on in those breaks. So it's rather than just saying, okay, I'm going to take my five minutes to the other side of the house, continue to just totally boil over and then we'll come back and somehow think that that's going to help the conversation sure, get better. Absolutely. And I think sometimes something that uh, I think works, and at least it's worked for in our marriage, is just to sometimes say, we're not going to get through this tonight, so mm -hmm. let's go see a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, go do something just to get your mind off of it, because it's, you know, sometimes there's nothing more that I think Satan wants to do than to continue to have us roll around in this anger and pity and despair and nothing's going to ever get better and look how horrible life is. Sometimes a good movie is a, is a great remedy or just going out and doing something to just get out of that situation for a while and just agreeing not to bring it up for a while. We found that happy hour at Sonic works really well. So <laughs> A vanilla Coke. Nothing like helps. a vanilla Coke. Yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll help a lot. Well, any closing comments? We've got about a minute left uh, in terms of just maybe what a wife could do or how a couple can continue to work through these anger issues. Well, I think fear and desperation have got to be addressed. And, and those fears and desperation say it's okay to keep arguing until we get to a point of resolution. But we have to remember that's fear and desperation. Wisdom and peacemaking says sometimes it's okay to put this away for a while because you come back to it two weeks later or a week later or however long later, sometimes it's not nearly as important as what it used to be because fear and desperation bring up a lot of speculations about what ifs and what ifs can be terrible in an argument. And you often start making uh, judgments and statements that are so exaggerated and so false about yourself as well as about your spouse that then it just becomes totally unproductive at that point, and it's more about seeing who can tear the other one down better Absolutely. than the other one. You know, Absolutely. so it's like that never helps. Right. And so we need to be about building each other up in our marriages, and anger will only tear down. And so the more we can look to encourage and to support and to love one another, I think is going to be 
Good. And realize in all of this, as we wrap up here, this is a process. Absolutely. It's not something that happens overnight, and I can still say I struggle with it. So yeah. it's something we all struggle with. And and I still have issues with control underneath the, the anger. And so I just think uh, we need to be willing to say, part of it is being willing to say that's where I struggle, and then just keep working on it. And I think good things can come out of that. We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart Your love has done its part Now let it rain